Blog Talk Radio. League Fantasy Sports Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Roach. Today's date, April 14th. And we have another jam-packed show for you guys this week. Uh, weather's warming up in the Northeast, which means uh, baseballs will be flying even more than they already are. Uh, obviously, we have a couple more weeks of sample size, so uh, we'll have everything going for us today. Uh, streamers, uh Basically, uh, hitters you should pick up as well uh, before they're gone. Uh, as always, my co-host is Cole Friel, and he joins us uh, today. He, uh, What are you working on, Cole, and uh, is there anything you wanted to open up with? Hey, uh, as always, uh, you can follow me at CJ underscore Friel on Twitter, and then I'm also working on uh, the relief pitchers piece for MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. The first half of that piece focuses on uh, closers, closing situations, ninth inning, and otherwise uh, normal, uh, quote-unquote, save situations that happened uh, in the past week and what happened specifically uh, in the cases where something interesting happened, like maybe the Boston situation where it seems like Brazier and Barnes are kind of in this, uh, this closer-by-committee situation uh, as of right now. Uh, in terms of opening up the show, you know, n- nothing in particular, but I am intrigued by some of these offenses and offensive players. Uh, not necessarily the guys you're picking up off the wire, but but some other guys that you got kind of in the 100, 200 uh, pick range that, that could really be, be panning out right now. I'm looking at the White Sox right now in particular. Uh, three of their young hitters, Yuan Moncada, uh, Eloy Jimenez, uh, and, and Tim Anderson, uh, have been off to really, really strong starts this season. Uh, Eloy really just turned into a strong start with his two-home run game uh, the other day, but Mm -hmm. uh, some very exciting players to look forward to uh, watching for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, And uh, Tatis hit another home run today as well. He has five on the season. Uh, He looks like a nice little uh, young stud. Uh, And, our guest this week is Kevin uh, Bizdeck. Kevin is a writer, editor, and league mate at MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. Kevin, what are you working on this weekend? Anything you want to open up with before we uh, jump right in? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I don't have any articles coming out this week, but, um, you know, this this week I've been watching a lot of the, the Kansas City and Seattle series, and uh, I just thought mm-hmm. I'd lead off with that. Um those aren't two exciting teams historically, but I think this year they've got a lot of speed. Uh, Malik Smith and D. Gordon on Seattle, and then uh, Billy Hamilton, Whit Merrifield, and Mondesi on Kansas City, and and that was just uh, a great series. And, and those guys are running all over the place. And I think when I'm thinking about some of the guys we're going to talk about later, uh, I think kind of finding some of the guys who are batting behind them could be a, a good strategy as far as getting RBIs and getting guys who are going to be in positions to hit with runners on base. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about this week. Nice. Yeah, that's always good. Um, but before we jump into our streamer breakdowns, I want to inform our audience of our partner, Thrive Fantasy Sports. 
Uh, are you tired of the same old salary-based daily fantasy apps and websites? You can sign up for a Thrive Fantasy Sports site that uses over and unders for players in MLB, NBA, and NFL to make a lineup. And more sports are on the way. All you have to do to sign up, you can go to uh, yeah, you can just go to thrivefantasy.com or on phones and tablets in the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can uh, look for the Thrive Fantasy app. After you download, you just use the promo code. MLFS, which is uh, just the shorthand, uh, the initials for Major League Fantasy Sports, uh, MLFS, and uh, you'll get your first $10 matched in real time. And that's right, if you put in 10 bucks, then you'll get an extra $10 in real time. And also remember to donate to our Patreon account. You can go to MajorLeagueFantasySports.com, and along the right side of the page, just under the headline section, You'll find the Patreon donation button. You can set up a monthly donation for as little as $1 or make a one-time donation. Thank you to our current supporters. And there's also many openings in our football leagues for the 2019 season. So get a jump start on football for 2019 uh, by emailing Corey D. Roberts at MajorLeagueFantasySports at gmail.com for more details. So we'll begin with streamers for Monday. As uh, Each week we just pick a couple guys who are under under owned, so you guys can uh, stream them. We'll start with Cole. Uh, who you got for Monday? Well, so first things first, before we go into the specific day by day, um, in my opinion, this week was actually a, a particularly hard week uh, to pick out streamers for. You know, no offense to the, the following teams, but some of the particular offenses that I target to stream against had uh, matchups. You know, certain matchups are going to be indicative of more under owned pitchers, and some matchups, you know, when, when Baltimore happens to play, some of the Blake Snell, that doesn't help anybody for, for streaming purposes. Uh, and this this week, Baltimore uh, plays Boston for one game and then Tampa Bay for three. Tampa Bay is a hard team to stream for because it's either Snell or Glass now who are owned uh, or, or the rotating uh, opener types. Uh, you have Miami playing the Cubs. That's a team that's going to have a, a lot of owned starters uh, and, and things of this nature this week. So I think this is a particularly uh, hard week to pick streamers for. Um, going back to that Baltimore matchup, uh, my current chart currently has uh, Hector Velasquez uh, as the potential uh, projected starter on Monday uh, against Baltimore. Uh, if that game is played and, and if Velasquez is the starter on Monday, he's a good enough pitcher, in my opinion, uh, throws enough different looks. You know, Mancini and, and Villar have definitely been scary for this offense in general, but they still have uh, some hitters that were until recently hitting, you know, even below 100 uh, in their lineup. But I'm not just talking about Chris Davis. Uh, it's also until uh, very recently Cedric Mullins, uh, Richie Martin uh, were also struggling a great deal. So so Baltimore uh, is, is one of the teams that you really want to stream against. And I think Hector Velasquez uh, might be a good enough pitcher to accomplish that. Uh, and then, you know, the Kansas City offense has been scaring me a little bit more and more because – it's not necessarily that I think they're going to be consistent. I don't necessarily believe that yet. But players like uh, Whit Merrifield, Mondesi, uh, seem to be able to combine into having these very strong performances uh, any, at, at the drop of a hat, these explosive performances, for lack of a better word. Um, but I am somewhat interested still in streaming against them. And, and Irvin Santana of the Chicago White Sox is going to be a pitcher who who has a low ownership percentage, and, and there's some streaming potential uh, there. Nice. Yeah. Uh, 
both guys. Uh, 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 sounds great. Uh, uh, what about you, Kevin? Who who you got for Monday? Well, for Monday, I'm looking at Trevor Cahill uh, of the Angels. He was supposed to pitch today, and that got rained out, so I believe that's getting bumped to tomorrow. He'll be at Texas. Uh, so far in three starts, he's got 16 strikeouts to two walks, and he's got a 3.50 ERA and 0.89 WHIP start to 2019. Uh, he was also a serviceable fantasy option last year before getting injured. In 110 innings, he had a 3.76 ERA and a 1.19 WHIP, mm-hmm. uh, just just under a K per per inning, and about 3.3 walks per nine innings. Um, and Texas, they're pretty average against right-handed pitching, or a little above average, but Rugnit Odor, uh, one of their lefties at the top of the order, just went on the 10-day injured list. So I'm a little, a little less intimidated uh, by this matchup, and I think Cahill's my guy for Monday. Nice. Yeah, uh, good option. Uh, uh, he, he's a nice little streaming option as well. Uh my guy, uh, I know uh, he had a terrible first start. Uh, Irvin Santana, uh, he did not look good in his first start. He uh, just, uh, he only lasted uh, three and two-thirds, uh, one strikeout, three walks, a 2.73 whip, and a 17.18 ERA. Um, but I believe he faced Tampa, and uh, Tampa really... Um, took it to him, and I don't see Kansas City doing that to to him. Uh, uh, and uh, I feel like this will be his coming out par- party, and after after that, after after the game, uh, he'll be, his ownership will jump from the 1% that um, it currently is at. Uh, for Tuesday, Kevin, uh, who you got Tuesday, I'm looking at Nick Margavicius, a uh, left-handed mm-hmm. pitcher for the Padres. He's going against the Rockies at home. Uh, 23% owned in Yahoo and 51% on fan tracks. Um, mm-hmm. Rockies are just not, not a good team on the road right now. They've got a 247 Woba against left-handed pitching. Um, and, you know, looking at Nick Nick's game log here, I'm not going to try and say his last name again. Uh, he had two starts with uh, strong strikeouts per nines and then uh, one start where he only struck out one batter. And so I think his K per nine on the season's 675, but, you know, the, the Rockies are, like I said, they're not good against lefties. They strike out above average against lefties. So I think this is a start where we can see about a strikeout per inning. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've been impressed so far with the uh, – with the Padres lineup, you know, the addition of uh, Machado and then the youngster Tatis Jr., I think it just up and down makes their lineup a little bit stronger. So I think they're, they've got a good chance to win this game. So good chance for a win, okay. quality start, few Ks. I'll take it. All right. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Uh, he's a guy I picked last week. Uh, and uh, he did pretty well. Uh, I mean, I think his innings were limited, but other than that, he did pretty well. Uh, Cole, who you got for Tuesday? 
So for Tuesday, I think there's uh, a few interesting options. Uh, one of the first names I wrote mm-hmm. down and then immediately realized that I was underrating how, how many leagues he was immediately added in uh, was Max Fried of the Atlanta Braves up against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm saying he, he's probably too owned for this subject, but if he does happen to be available, which he is in about 60% of leagues, uh, he's someone who, who's definitely worth uh, a near immediate pickup. Uh, one of the other names I have written down for uh, Tuesday is Jordan Lyles. Uh, let me find him real quick. Uh, okay, yeah, he's playing at Detroit, which does mean he has to go uh, up against the DH, uh, but I'm okay with that considering that I don't have uh, Detroit as one of my favorite uh, options to go up against. Uh, I do like the Marge Vicious uh, call uh, because, you know, Colorado's a scary offense. Uh, you know, they haven't been a scary offense uh, so far this season, but despite that fact, uh, I-, I would argue that uh, – even in or even in general, you don't want or you're okay with starting uh, pitchers when the Rockies are on the road. Sorry, uh, the Rockies mm-hmm. away are always usually worse than they are at home. So uh, in a road start against the San Diego Padres, I think it makes a lot of sense to to go with someone like Marge Vicious uh, and, and take the upside against the Rockies offense that's been scuttling so far. Yeah, uh, I I agree with that. Uh, the Rockies, yeah, uh, they. Had a little coming out party today. Nolan Arenado finally hit one, so um, that's that's something to always keep an eye on. Uh, for my Tuesday, uh, obviously there's a bunch of little different guys. Uh, I actually like. Um, let's see, uh, I mean Stephen Matz is 50% owned. Uh, he's he's one guy. Uh, I think Aaron Sanchez is the main guy, uh, especially uh, he should get two starts this week. 20% owned. Um, it's a 1.69 ERA. Uh, the walks are kind of high with nine and 16 innings, but he also strikes out basically a batter per inning. And he's at Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's offense has, uh, does have a little bit of pop in it, but uh, I think he'll uh, be able to limit that. Uh, he's limited the home run ball so far this year. Uh, and yeah, uh, that's 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 what I got for Tuesday. Uh, Cole, you have anything for Wednesday? Well, first off, you know, in terms of Aaron Sanchez, I think I might end up uh, talking about these pitchers a bit later. Um, but I think mm-hmm. every single matchup on the Toronto side of things uh, against Minnesota is at least worth speculating and talking about. Uh, I think where I, you know, have a little bit of a hesitation is that I think Minnesota is actually – been a pretty good offense so far this year and and remains in my opinion uh an offense that i'm a little worried about you know especially with some of these right-handers uh you start off a a right-hander with kepler who's a left-hander and and a pretty good obp threat uh jorge polanco who's a switch hitter uh who does much better against uh right-handed pitchers uh then you have Nelson Cruz, uh eddie rosario who is a lefty uh and then a fair amount of depth in that uh lineup as well so you know it, it's a it's a team that I'm interested in streaming some pitchers against but it's also an offense that's starting to uh you know up in my power rankings for lack of a better uh phrase and a team that I'm becoming uh less and less willing to think of as a team uh that I'm looking to stream against whereas last year especially towards the end of the year uh, I was a little bit more interested 
uh, in streaming against these Minnesota Twins. Uh, so from uh, for Wednesday, rather, uh, the Detroit Tigers, uh, Turnbull, uh, Spencer Turnbull, uh, is playing against the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, so that's one of the matchups that I, I'm a big fan of on Wednesday. Uh, that one has some, some high strikeout upside to me. Um, also, Wade Miley, you know, it's interesting. He doesn't strike out a lot of batters. And I feel weird even saying it because of who, who he's been throughout most of his career. But I've seen him pitch a little bit this year. Uh, and I see kind of how he was effective last year in Milwaukee. Uh, I do believe that the Houston Astros, uh, a team that's had a lot of success with pitchers, uh, sought him out for a reason. And I I think he has the ability to be effective. One of the things Wade Miley uh, has done the best uh, so far in the last uh, year and a half or year and a month, I guess, of him performing uh, a bit better is that he's had a fairly high ground ball percentage and a fairly low uh, fly ball percentage. Uh, This start happens to take place in Oakland. Oakland's a bit of a scary offense, but it's a big park, and so that has a, a chance to help Wade Miley. So, so those are the names that I'm probably uh, going with on on Wednesday. Who was the first guy you mentioned? Um, Turnbull of the Detroit Tigers. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. He's 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 been great. Uh, well, not great, but good enough to stream and. Uh, you you mentioned Wade Miley. I think what makes him even better than uh, uh, for for a streamer is uh, you don't have to wait long to watch uh, to watch his full game. Uh, he uh, the uh, the first game he pitched this season, it was a grand total of like two hours and twelve minutes between both teams uh, pitching. So that's something that's always uh, fantastic to watch. Uh, uh, Kevin, who you got for Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday, um, I had Turnbull on my list as well. I think that's a good option there. Um, but I'm going to pick uh, Jeremy Hellickson. He's uh, on the Washington Nationals going against the San Francisco Giants. Um, this is really just a matchup play. The Giants are dead last with a 242 Woba against right-handed pitching. Um, so I think mm-hmm. from just a wins – you know, win strike, uh, win and quality start. I think Hellickson's a, a good target. He doesn't strike out a ton of guys, and the Giants aren't a team that strikes out a lot either. So, if you're looking for strikeouts, maybe another option is better. But quality start, win. I think Hellickson is a solid bet. Yeah, uh, my the the guy I have is uh, much more owned. He's uh, uh, Brad Keller of Kansas City. Uh, he had a nice little outing his uh, last start. And he's facing the White Sox. Sure, the White Sox um, are a different team than last year. Uh, but uh, if they don't hit the long ball, they're not really going to put up as many runs. Um, you just have to make sure you keep them in the ballpark. Um, so far on the year, 2.45 ERA, two, and two, two wins, one loss. He's going against the White Sox, as I said. Um, and he's averaging almost a strikeout per inning. Um, so Keller uh, is a nice little option if he isn't already owned because he is up there in ownership percentage. All right, final day, guys, uh, Thursday. We'll start with Kevin. Uh, who you got for Thursday? So Thursday I'm I'm going with that Detroit offense matchup and, and picking Ivan Nova. 
Uh, he's 2% owned in Yahoo and 28% owned in Fantrax. His season ERA is 5.28. Uh, obviously, that's not good, but three uh, in two of his three starts, he's been, you know, quality. Uh, one was a seven-inning, one-earned run performance at Cleveland, and the other was a six-inning, one-earned run performance uh, at New York Yankees. In the middle of those two was a seven-earned run beatdown from the Mariners. I mean, th- he just got them at a bad time, I think. The Mariners are on fire. Um, so, I think he'll – He's, he's better than uh, that 5.28 ERA looks, and he's a veteran guy that can give you some innings. So, you know, I think quality star and uh, perhaps a win is is a good chance against the Tigers. Yeah, uh, I mean, eventually I think Miguel Cabrera will hit some home run, but that offense is uh, lackluster to say the uh, say the best of, about it right now. There's no like punch, especially with Castellanos out um, with that. Uh, I believe it's a leg injury. Um, Cole, who you got for Thursday? Yeah, so Thursday is a, a day in particular I think has a pretty limited slate because quite a few teams have mm-hmm. uh, off days. You also have a game in Colorado, a game in New York, uh, Yankees rather. Uh, so y- y- yeah. those kind of things are, are not conducive to having a deep roster. Uh, Yvonne Nova is another pick that, uh, you know, Kevin's pick uh, is one that I back. Uh, You know, he has that over five ERA so far this year, but nothing is out of line with his career numbers. In fact, in some respects, he's actually doing better than what he's done throughout his career. Uh, His ground ball percentage is higher. His walks per nine is right in line with what he's done the last two years, actually better than what it was last year. Uh, And where you'd actually expect what, what I looked at, when I went into looking at Ivan Nova expecting to see was that he had given up a few home runs as someone who hadn't seen his starts yet this year. Um, and what his numbers on fan graphs at least portray is that he hasn't given up a single home run uh, yet this season, which is, is very interesting and, and seems to lend to the idea that he's been quite a bit unlucky with balls in play uh, and not being able to strand any runners uh, on base. So, so Ivan Nova's a, a pick that that I'm a fan of against uh, a lackluster Detroit team. Uh, Drew Pomerantz, I think, is an interesting one. Doesn't get to play in, in the spacious uh, San Francisco Giants uh, Oracle Park, but he does get to play uh, in Washington. And, and while that team is a good team and has some, some frightening right-handed hitters on it, uh, some of its better hitters are left-handed, and, and Pomerantz carries with him, uh, in particular, some little bit of extra uh, strikeout potential. So uh, those are the two guys I had written down for this limited Thursday slate. Nice. Yeah. Um, the guy I had for Thursday, uh, obviously Nova was on my list as well, but uh, Clay Buckholtz, uh, he made his first start um, over the weekend and he went six innings, only two strikeouts. Um, and I believe he had one earned run. Um, didn't get the win. But uh, he was a, he 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 was matching pitch for pitch. Uh, I believe he, uh, he was pitching against Blake Snell, and he was mitch- matching him pitch for pitch. Uh, he has a tougher matchup, uh, maybe not tougher than Tampa, but a pretty tough matchup uh, at Minnesota, especially with the guy on the other side, uh, Pineda, who's really pitched well to start the season. He's another guy. 
who everyone should pick up before he um, he's gone off the waiver wire completely because that's a guy people will be keeping um, because of the stuff that he has. But Clay Buckholtz is a guy that I'll be streaming on uh, Thursday. Um, so I'll move on. Um, unless, actually, um, Cole, do, do you have anyone else for any of the other days that we didn't mention before we um, move on? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I might have had Jacob okay. Rizzi written down. I don't know if we discussed him mm-hmm. uh, in particular, okay. whichever day he's playing Toronto in that series. Uh, my notes look like okay. Wednesday. But other than that, I think we okay. we covered most of the people I had written down. Nice. Uh, what about what about you, Kevin? Did you have anyone else before we move on? Uh, yeah, one guy I had written down is Tuki Toussaint. Uh, I think he's working out of the bullpen so far this year. But uh-huh. the, uh, the Braves demoted Kyle Wright, who was scheduled to start Thursday, and Sean Newcomb was mm-hmm. moved to the injured reserve or the injured list. So I don't know who else is going to yeah. start Thursday. I'm thinking it's, it's a good chance it's Toussaint. So that might be someone to take a look at and, and grab early. I think he pitched a, a good game in long relief yesterday. So, And going against yeah. Arizona, their offense is, is not too good. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, it's a great choice, especially with all the injuries piling up uh, in that Braves rotation. Um, so next thing, we're doing uh, some hitter pickups, basically guys um, – probably lesser owned, but guys you should pick up uh, either for next week or for the rest of the season. Um, well, this upcoming week uh, or the rest of the season. Uh, Cole, uh, Kevin, we'll start with you. All right. First guy on my list is probably the, the highest owned, but it's uh, Yandy Diaz of the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, he's 50% mm-hmm. owned in Yahoo, 76 and fan tracks. Um, he's historically, or I guess mostly last year, was the bulk of his playing time. Um, he's got good plate discipline skills, so good walk rate, good strikeout rate, which is continuing this year. He's at a 13.8% walk rate and strikeout rate, so the fact that he's walking uh, that much and striking out that little is impressive. Um, he also hits the ball hard. Um, last year, I think he was at a 44% hard hit rate. This year remains high. Um, early on at 38%, um, but he, he historically hasn't hit a lot of fly balls, and so far he's hitting 31% fly balls so compared to 23% last year. So it seems like he's making some tweaks early to, to try and put the ball in the air a little more and with a hard hit rate in the upper 30s. Um, you know, those types of guys can hit 25, 30 home runs, um, and another thing I noticed, too, is his contact rate the last two years was um, 84% and 85%, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year it's down at 74%, and I think part of that is small sample size. I think the other part is that he's maybe changing his approach a little bit, and part of that is looking to drive the ball in the air, and it's resulting in a little more swing and miss. So I think that that points to a change in, in what his approach is and the results are there early three home runs and 58 plate appearances so far. Um, and last year, or I guess for his career, he's only had one homer um, prior to this year in 299 career plate appearances. So I think this is a guy who could end up being uh, just 
someone that's owned universally by the end of the season. And uh, he's not there yet on the ownership scale. So I think if he's available in your leagues, I would go pick him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else, who else you got? We'll, we'll just list everyone, uh, that you have. All right. Uh, my next guy I've got is Alex Gordon on the Kansas city Royals. Mm-hmm. He's less owned 30, 36% in Yahoo and 66% on fan tracks. Um, he's a 35 year old who I think he was a former all-star, but his last three or so seasons have been subpar, um, so I think he's maybe a short-term option, but he's batting 356 so far this year. Um, he's having success against the fastball, and he's batted third every game for the Royals behind Whit Merrifield and Adalberto Mondesi. So I really like the speed in front of him. Um, and then if Billy Hamilton ever gets on base in the nine hole, you know, you've got three guys who could potentially score from first on a double, steal second base and score on a single, in Billy Hamilton's case, he can tag up on a fly ball to center field from second base, which he did this week, uh, which was pretty fun. So I think just he'll have a lot of opportunities to drive in runs as long as he's, you know, hitting the ball pretty well, and right now he is. So um, he's a guy that I'm I'm adding in, in a lot of leagues. Um, and then the last guy I've got is Orlando Arcia. This is like my deep – my deep dive here. He's 3% owned in Yahoo and 36% owned on fan tracks. And he's not off to a great start, just the 222 average, but he's hitting the ball harder this year. Um, he's got three home runs already. Um, he's only two years removed from a 15 homer, 14 steal season with 277 average. Um, and he's only 24. So he's, he's batting ninth right now for Milwaukee. Um, I think, you know, this guy could be, you know, not every player is getting better every year. Sometimes we take two steps forward, one step back, and I think Arcia might be in line for, you know, kind of a bounce-back year from last year's down year. Um, so I, I like what I've seen so far. His walk rate is up as well. Um, I think he might be an option for for people in need of a shortstop. Nice. Yeah, Uh those three players, uh, great options, uh, especially um, with uh, basically the starts to the season they're off to. Uh, Cole, any comments on those guys? And uh, feel free to list your guys. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to specifically hover on Orlando Arcia for a second because, you know, I think he does some, some things well right now. Uh, what I'm concerned about in general uh, is when I took my deepest dive into Orlando Arcia uh, in the off season, what I found was that he struggled a great deal against both four-seam fastballs and sliders. Uh, and so particularly uh, pitchers who throw a lot of four-seam fastball sliders, those are your typical more uh, power pitchers, at least in concepts. Um, and so my comments on RCA before the season started was that he, he gets overpowered too easily by power. Um, so far in the season, he has uh, incredible numbers against sinkers, changes, curves. But his numbers against four seams and sliders uh, haven't taken any kind of improvement yet. Uh, I just looked these up for the first time. And in 23 at-bats, he has eight strikeouts. Um, and on four seamers, he has a 143 batting average. He does have a one home run 
is his one hit. So his slugging percentage is 571. Um, but he has one one for seven for a 143. And against sliders, he's uh, one for 16 with an 063, a 125 slug, uh, and six strikeouts. So he's still struggling uh, a lot against power pitchers. So Orlando RC is someone I'm watching. But I'm specifically watching to see if when he faces those four-seamer slider types, uh, if he can take advantage or, or at least stand his ground against them. Uh, and in the DFS sense, if he's playing a pitcher that doesn't uh, actually have one of those two pitches in particular, uh, that'd be an interesting uh, uh, DFS play for Orlando Arcia. Um, so my under-owned players, uh, one of the ones I, I, I wanted to really get into would be uh, Nigo Goodrum. Uh, he's been day-to-day with a, an illness Set out Saturday's game, at the least. I believe set out uh, today as well. But he's been a very interesting player so far this year. Uh, his strikeout to walk rate is almost at a one to one so far. He's uh, hit a home run and stolen a base, uh, and he showed last year with 16 home runs uh, and 12 stolen bases that uh, he had the uh, potential to be able to do both. Um, and while he mm-hmm. his numbers last year didn't necessarily equate to a player who was a, a must start. They've been moving him around and doing a lot to make sure that he gets uh, playing time. And the main reason seems to be that he's off to a, uh, a 293, 420, slash line start. So, you know, he's got, he's almost at that 300, 400, 500 uh, level. All he's really missing is about seven points of batting average. Now his BABIP's a little high, but, but so is again, his, his isolated power is walk rate. Uh, he seems to be very selective. Um, you know his hard, his early season hard contact and soft contact metrics are actually uh, incredibly substantial. You know he's not necessarily a player that I'm rushing to add, especially because the Tigers team uh, doesn't necessarily portray itself as one that's going to have a lot of runs and RBIs. Um, but in a DFS sense, I've been using Goodrum quite a bit as a low cost, uh, low GPP play, uh, and. I also find that, that Goodrum has some potential season-long value and, and could theoretically be uh, the best hitter for the Tigers uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, one of those competitions for best hitter of the Tigers, uh, and another guy who's a little under-owned, in my opinion, is probably Kristen Stewart. Um, not really a guy who has a lot of 5-by-5 five five upside because he doesn't offer too much in, in terms of over-the-fence over home run power or stolen base mm-hmm. potential, but he has enough power, especially with the isolated power, especially with the slugging uh, and the extra base hit lean that he has, uh, and with with a decent walk rate. That especially in six by six uh, points leagues, leagues that take into uh, factor uh, things that factor into a player's OPS, uh, Kristen Stewart would also be a potentially interesting player for the Tigers. Um, you know, one thing that was said a lot this this off season was that first base was was very shallow um but i think what what usually happens is that we usually find some decent players at first base because it is you know the position that the most people can play and, and that you know we have players that are defined by their offensive uh, portfolio or profile rather um so so two really deeply guys um that i think have some potential at first base to be added uh, if you happen to miss out uh, i think the one interesting the most interesting one to me is probably Ryan O'Hearn of the Kansas City Royals. Um, he seems to be playing pretty much every day as a first baseman right mm-hmm. now. Uh, he's only batting 211 in terms of batting average, uh, but his bat is also 214, 
so you could potentially see some rise in that. Uh, despite a 211 batting average, his OBP is 388. His, his isolated power, uh, not great for a first baseman, still solid at 184. Um, today he, he had three walks, and that put his uh, season total at walks at 10 against just eight strikeouts. So uh, he's had more walks and strikeouts to start the season. So Ryan O'Hearn, uh, an interesting deep league pickup. Uh, for the Royals, and then uh, another first baseman, maybe not uh, as safe, probably not as likely to pan out, but but Rowdy Telez, Rowdy Telez uh, of the Toronto Blue Jays has been pretty interesting to start the season. Uh, again, another low bat, uh, batting average, low BABIP, um, but actually a little bit more power. Uh, already had uh, three home runs so far this year for Telez. Um, Still has an OBP over 300, uh, an isolated power of actually 257. Now he's striking out uh, quite a bit more than Ryan O'Hearn, and there's a chance that he just strikes mm-hmm. out a lot and strikes himself uh, out of the big leagues. But there's definitely some some intriguing power upside here uh, in terms of Celeste. Nice, yeah. Uh, I, those are uh, great picks. Uh, uh, a, a lot of people. Um, should go out and grab those guys. Uh, Kevin, you have anything to comment about those guys before I give you mine? Uh, I think, yeah, I like the Rowdy Telez pick. I actually picked him up in uh, the fan tracks league I drafted a couple weeks ago. So I had some, some injuries to compensate for. So he's been a decent player so far, but he does have that power. And I think that lineup hopefully will only get improved when Vlad Guerrero Jr. gets called up. Uh, so I think it's a guy that is worth keeping an eye on or, or picking up in some sh- in some deeper leagues. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Uh, my three guys, one just got um, a boost, uh, uh, at least on ESPN leagues, uh, from yesterday to today, he was at 47.9%. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach of the Seattle Mariners, uh, he's hitting 424 on the season with six home runs, 11 RBI, with four of those home runs and nine runs driven in uh, this week, uh, well, hitting 455. Uh, basically, all his fantasy work was done in the past seven days. Um, and that's just crazy. Uh, that's probably why everyone's running to get him. But uh, he's shown uh, a lot of lift um, while, dri- while driving the ball. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, if he's, uh, He was a strikeout guy for a while. Um, that's the only thing I remember him uh, doing. But he scored nine runs, but he's only struck out nine times while also walking seven times. So um, that's obviously uh, something to make make aware of uh, over uh, if you want him uh, for the rest of the season. Just make sure. Um, hopefully, uh, basically, he continue. I know he's gonna not gonna continue on this pace, but is uh, uh, a guy you should pick up at least for the next week to see if he can continue the hot start. Another guy. Uh, who struggled uh, early on with Toronto, and uh, he's actually uh, uh, shown a lot of pop since being traded uh, to the San Francisco Giants, uh, Kevin Pillar. And he offers, uh, obviously, the speed um, 
Uh, and he's known for being a great fielder, but he's popped at least uh, two home runs, uh, maybe even three so far uh, with the San Francisco uh, Giants. Um, and I think he's probably going to be a mainstay towards the top of that lineup. So uh, he's someone I would grab. He he could score some runs. Obviously, the Giants' offense isn't what it used to be, but uh, uh, eventually Buster Posey's going to, uh, at least he should, break out of his slump. And um, I think uh, Pilar will benefit from that. Um, and my third guy, Howie Kendrick, uh, he's only 1.2% owned. Uh, I I feel like he's just going to take the job away from Brian Dozier the way he started this season. He's hitting, uh, I think it, uh, he's hitting over 500, already has a couple home runs, and uh, Dozier, uh, <laughs> he, he got a home run earlier in the week, but uh, and then he went 3 for 6, but then he went 0 for 4, and he's been benched the last two days. And Howie Kendrick hit a go-ahead home run, and uh, uh, I, I believe he also uh, got a few hits today as well. So, uh, those are my three. Uh, Cole, any comments on those three guys? Um, you know, Vogelbach was obviously someone I thought about putting on. I think he obviously mm-hmm. gets higher on the priority list uh, than than the first baseman I mentioned in, in O'Hearn and Telez. Um And and so far. Uh, and opposite of what we were saying about someone like Arcia earlier, some of the pitch specific things that I look for for a breakout are, are very encouraging when it comes to uh, Vogelbach. Uh, his, his performance against forcing fastballs, uh, for one, has been absolutely uh, incredible so far. That when you see a lot of these uh, hot streaks to start the year, a lot of what's happening is, is pitchers just not respecting certain hitters and just throwing them fastballs and throwing them fastballs in areas that they, they can get them, you know, challenge fastballs, so to speak. Um, and the hitters rise to the occasion and hit those challenge fastballs. Um, and it'll be interesting to see because right now they have to stop throwing the fastballs. He's done almost all of his damage on these fastballs. I mean, his current numbers on Brooks Baseball is a 615 batting average with a slugging percentage north of 2,000. Um, so they'll have to stop throwing the fastball soon. Uh, he'll ha- he'll have to deal with a lot more at bats against a lot of, of different kinds of pitches, different kinds of breaking right. pitches. You know, it'll be interesting to see uh, if he can consistently, for instance, beat uh, the big league slider. Uh, that'll be uh, one of the next steps in, in his development if he can continue this uh, late career development uh, that we're seeing right now, potentially from from Dan Vogelbach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, I think once they start throwing him junk, he won't be able to uh, be able to handle it. But uh, that's uh, we'll have to see about that. Uh, Kevin, anything you have to say about those three guys I mentioned, and then we'll move on to our uh, series previews. Yeah, I think just with respect to Vogelbach, uh, like the entire Seattle Mariners lineup is just kind of. playing above yeah they're playing above expectations right now so I think when you have you know when those some guys start to come back to earth inevitably then that's gonna be like less guys on base so like less hitting situations for some of these guys too so I think I'm concerned I guess that there might be a big drop off once the team cools off but I think for now like Vogelbach you know all those guys, basically, that whole entire lineup just 
add them and ride it while it's hot, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally agree with that. Um, even though they're facing uh, Cleveland this week, uh, I still think they're going to hit the ball all over the place, uh, even well when facing Bauer and Carrasco and the Cleveland Indians uh, pitching staff. Um, but before we move on to our uh, previews uh, for uh, the weekday series, uh, we want, uh, I just wanted to remind our audience of our partner, Thrive Fantasy Sports. Are you tired of the same old salary-based daily fantasy apps and websites? You can sign up for Thrive Fantasy Sports, which is a prop bet-based site that uses over and unders for players in MLB, NBA, and NFL to make a lineup. More sports are on the way. You can go to thrivefantasy.com or on phones and tablets uh, in the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can look for the Thrive Fantasy app, and after you download, use the promo code MLFS, uh, just the uh, abbreviation for Major League, uh, just the initials for Major League Fantasy Sports. So MLFS, and you will get uh, your first ten dollars matched in real time. That's right. If you put in ten bucks, then you'll get an extra ten dollars uh, right away. So, uh, so feel free to do that uh, as soon as you can. Uh, and remember to donate to our Patreon account. You can go to MajorLeagueFantasySports.com and along the right side of the page, just under the headline section, you can find the uh, Patreon donation button. You can set up a monthly donation for as little as $1 or make a one-time donation. Uh, thank you to our current supporters. We also have multiple openings in our Fantasy Football League for the 2019 season. Uh, you can email Corey D. Roberts at MajorLeagueFantasySports at gmail.com and he'll give you more details about how to uh, get a team or uh, get into a league uh, on uh, MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. Uh, so uh, we'll jump into our uh, series previews. Uh, Cole, why don't we start with you? Sure. So uh the series that I, I looked at the most, uh, and I kind of prefaced, prefaced it uh, a little bit earlier, is uh, this Toronto-Minnesota twin series. Uh, I think it's incredibly interesting. Uh, specifically, a lot of times when I look at these series, I like to look at uh, one side of the ball from each team. Specifically, you know, that would be competing against one another. Uh, and I'm very interested in looking at, at this Toronto rotation uh, of, of Matt Shoemaker, uh, Aaron Sanchez, uh, Tyler Thornton, and, and Clay Buchholz uh, against this offense uh, that includes players uh, like Max Kepler, uh, Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz, Eddie Rosario, uh, Byron Buxton, Jonathan Scope, uh, among others. Uh, starting uh, with this Twins offense, you know, I, I'm a little encouraged, or not a little, obviously, I'm very encouraged uh, by the start uh, that Max Kepler has had to this season. Uh, he is still only batting about 269, but he has a decent uh, on-base percentage, and specifically of uh, the three home runs that he's already hit display uh, a good amount of power that we haven't seen. I mean, we saw 20 home runs last year, but you know, three gives him a, a bit of a, an advanced pace. Like in terms of slugging percentage, uh, he was a 408 slugging percentage guy last year. 
Right now, he's currently sitting at 481. Now, obviously, you know, we're only at a dozen games so far, but, again, encouraged uh, by these results so far. Uh, now, his bat is still uh, under 300 for for the early season so far, uh, and I kind of think that that is more or less where he's ultimately going to sit. I'm a little surprised that uh, – the Twins decide to make him the leadoff hitter. So far, his walk percentage is a little bit down from last year. 7.1% would actually be closer uh, to slightly below average than his 11.6% rate last year. And he doesn't necessarily profile as a very high Babbitt hitter. So so out of all these hitters that I, that I am intrigued by, uh, I think I'm still kind of not completely willing to buy in on Max Kepler yet. Um, but that said, at the same time, you know, Max Kepler's had one of the most intriguing. He, he He's a late developer. He didn't get into the game of baseball until uh, later in his life than most of these uh, players. Uh, I believe he, he lived in Germany for a while, but that's just going off uh, the top of my head. So as a 26-year-old, uh, recently turned 26, he does have uh, an intriguing profile uh, as someone who could be a late bloomer, and he already has. Uh, enough necessary skills that I think he can continue to repeat, you know, the the 2.5 to 3 war range uh, like he was last year. Um, But, you know, I I would like to continue to see him take steps forward and things like his Babbitt. Jorge Polanco is is someone I've talked about uh, a few times on the show. He's a switch hitter, but but does a lot better against righties, which is important uh, for this series preview because all four of the the hitters he's – or all four of the pitchers, rather, uh, that he's going up against are righties – He's hitting 383 on the season, uh, has actually had two bids for a cycle, one successful, uh, one where I believe he might have been short, just one double or, or other extra base hit. Uh, his WRC plus on the season is 197, uh, and although he only has two home runs, which is why his, you know, his fantasy uh, breakout might have been a little underscored, uh, at least for what it's been for these first 12 games, uh, he, those two home runs are accompanied by uh, six other extra base hits, including three triples and three doubles. What, what I've been very impressed by, and as long as he can continue to do it uh, without overdoing it, it'll be a very interesting thing to see this season, uh, is that he's elevating the ball pretty much all the time. I mean, his ground ball percentage is in the toilet at 17.6%. Um, and that 17.6%, I believe, might include bunts, because I do know for a fact that uh, out of his very few singles that he's had this year, uh, I believe only like eight of them, uh, at least two or three have been on bunt singles uh, where he was being overshifted to his left-handed pull side uh, and put a bunt as, as a quick base runner uh, down the left side and got on uh, both times. So, you know, he's he's not putting the ball on the ground literally at all. Uh, he's putting it in the air. He's pulling it into the air uh, as much as possible. And the, and the early results have been uh, a ton of extra base hits, uh, and some overall great production so far for Jorge Polanco. Uh, behind him, you got Nelson Cruz, who has only had one home run, uh, but has been a pretty solid hitter this year. And then Eddie Rosario, um, who had a great year last year and had a bit of a cold stretch at the very beginning of this uh, season, has really heated up this past week. Uh, had another three-hit game with a double and a home run, two runs and two RBIs today. That brought his uh, season uh, numbers up to 283 with a 340 OBP uh, and a 543 slugging percentage. So, you know, right at, if not better, than what you bought this guy in coming into the season. Um, Jonathan Scope as well 
a flawed hitter. But, you know, here's the thing about Jonathan Scope and the next guy I'm going to talk about is that when you have four or five solid hitters at the top, which is what, you know, the Twins are starting to develop, you can have uh, these flawed hitters uh, like Jonathan Scope, like Byron Buxton uh, at bottom of your, your lineup, and you're not necessarily relying on them for that consistent production uh, as much as you are for their uh, blow-ups every now and then. Uh, Scope had a blow-up the other day. I believe he had uh, his first two home runs of the season in the same game. And then Byron Buxton is actually off to a, a red-hot start. Uh, two hits, including an extra base hit today, 324 average, 378 OBP, and 559 slug. Um but my big thing is, you know, his K percentage is is the big thing to me and a lot of people. And it is down. It's at 21.6% uh, against a career 31.4%. And that's an extreme difference. Um, but I can't really buy into it at all yet. I mean, like, we've talked about Elon mm-hmm. Moncada on this show a few times. I absolutely buy into his changes. I, I absolutely buy into a lot of his improvements in K percentage. But Yuan Moncada's contact percentage, Z contact percentage, uh, whiff percentage, all these all these metrics that that measure you by the swing are, are all significantly improved, uh, despite the fact that Byron Buxton's uh, K percentage is 10% better in our early small sample. His contact percentage is actually lower uh, than his career average. Uh, same with his Z contact uh, and whiff all being worse uh, than his career average numbers. Now he is. Um, showing much improved plate discipline over the small sample, not chasing as many pitches and actually swinging it and, and continued increased number of pitches in the strike zone, uh, which is obviously a good sign for Byron Buxton. If he's learned to be selective uh, again, he doesn't need to be a perfect hitter with his athleticism, with his defense. He just needs to be a, a flawed hitter who isn't one of the worst hitters in baseball uh, at the bottom of the lineup. But in terms of this, this 21% K percentage, this completely changed hitter. Uh, I can't buy into it right now because there's just way too much uh, swing and miss into this game, uh, and, and I see this K percentage spiking up uh, back towards 30%, which which would do a lot uh, to hinder his numbers. Uh, on the other side of things, you got Matt Shoemaker, Aaron Sanchez, uh, Tyler Thornton, and Clay Buckholtz. Uh, Trent Thornton, sorry, uh, going up against uh, against this offense. Uh, and I do think, like I was saying, I think these are all interesting pitchers, I think, with probably the exception of Clay Buckholtz. I've never really been uh, a Clay Buckholtz fan. I just don't like the guys who seem to have uh, up and down and up and down production, even when, you know, they win Cy Young sometimes, like, like Rick Porcella. Uh, when you bounce around like a yo-yo and change what you do every year, I'm just not going to be the guy who mm-hmm. buys into you because I really like to see – the repeatability uh, uh, and the, the changes in, in what the stars are doing well uh, from the guys that I picked. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, going one at a time, you know, Shoemaker, when he was in Los Angeles with the Angels, he, he always uh, showed off a very in, intriguing splitter to go along with his fastball. It was a high whiff pitch. Uh, it got a good number of strikeouts. You know, it's interesting. Someone pointed out to me the other day that uh, the Angels uh, cut uh, non-tendered, so to speak, uh, Matt Shoemaker for like four or five million dollars in order to sign Matt Harvey for uh, a considerable amount more money. Uh, 
uh, you know, through a few starts, I wonder if they're already potentially regretting that. Matt Harvey is still looking like a pitcher who can potentially uh, throw a home run derby every few starts. But Shoemaker's splitter that, that he had when he was at his best in, in L.A. seems to be back. Uh, and with that pitch working, he, he has some strikeout potential uh, in every start he plays in. Aaron Sanchez, I've been a big uh, Aaron Sanchez fan for a while. I really like the profile mm-hmm. of his stuff, especially now that he's throwing the curveball uh, more and more and more. Um, you know, in terms of his, his control being so bad in the early on, I think a little bit of that can be contributed to some of these uh, colder conditions that he's had in some of these early games. Uh, I watched one of the games in particular where he had quite a few pitches, and, and you know, he was wearing a thermal. He was blowing into his hands a lot. I don't know. Uh, what the temperature was of the game. I believe it was probably his first start. Uh, but he would throw a lot of pitches in the strike zone at 95, and then he would throw a few pitches short of the strike zone, maybe not even in the dirt, but but four, five, six inches uh, below below the strike zone at about 92 miles an hour. Uh, and it didn't look like any particular different shape. It didn't look like a, uh, a not very slow changeup. What it looked like was just – a fastball that he wasn't able to really spin or locate at all and was going actually a few miles per hour short, uh, uh, slower than his average fastball at times. So I think he's had some of those problems early on in terms of, you know, not maybe repeatability at times, but, but more importantly or, or more, you know, poignantly having this problem with, uh, you know, consistency in, in the elements and the conditions and the weather, um, Trent Thornton's mm. been a very interesting pitcher so far this year. Uh, I don't believe he did too hot his last time out, uh, but, he, but he has some, some intriguing stuff, some intriguing strikeout upside. And I already kind of covered how, you know, I'm not necessarily a Clay Buckholtz guy. I think it's mostly Shoemaker and Sanchez that intrigue me the most. You know, uh, Sanchez in particular, uh, before he had his real blister problems, uh, that, that took his career out uh, right after he had his breakout season. You know, he was a pitcher that, that I was pushing up towards my top 30 uh, arms, somewhere around that range, uh, and he stopped throwing the curveball, had, had continued injury problems, and especially because of that latter thing, the injury problems, you know, I'm nowhere near moving him that cl- uh, that high up in rankings, thinking about moving him up that high in rankings, you know, or, or even looking at him as someone who has the potential to move up that high this season time, I think, you know, saying that I used to have him as a top 30 starting pitcher, you know, three, four years ago uh, is displaying the fact that, you know, there, there's a high upside uh, of stuff here. And even if you only get 100, 120, 130 innings out of it, uh, there's a chance that with the strikeouts and with the game that we play in fantasy, those, those innings from Aaron Sanchez uh, will be fairly valuable. Yeah, uh, I I agree with that. Uh, completely. Uh, anything you wanted to mention about that series, uh, Kevin, before we move on to yours? Um, I, I think I, I agree. Uh, I think I like Sanchez and Schumacher as well. I think those guys historically have just been mostly the, the injuries have been the big problems with them, not really their performance as much. So I think that's really the key to, to their success going forward this year is going to be just staying healthy. So, you know, hopefully they can do that. And I think if they can, they'll be, they'll be, you know, good pitchers for the Blue Jays as, as well as for fantasy purposes. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree with that. 
So you can jump right into your series. All right. So I've got two series that I'll be watching this week. The first one is Yankees-Boston, a little two-game series here. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think both teams are are, are off to a slow start. Um, So, you know, Boston-Yankees, kind of the rivalry. I wonder if maybe we'll see a little fireworks here and one of these teams or both of these teams will get going a little bit. Um, And the first game, Mm -hmm. we've got Sale, Sale versus Paxton. Um, I think, you know, sales struggles have been documented. Perhaps he's saving some bullets, I believe, was what, what the, the Red Sox said. Um, so I wonder if he stops saving bullets for, for the rivalry game or, or if the Yanks are able to touch him up. And then the other side is Paxton. So he was roughed up against the Strohs over the weekend, um, or last week, rather. And I think some rumors that he was tipping pitches. So interested to see, you know, as a, as a Yankees fan, it's, it's always how does the guy pitch in, in the big games and against the Red Sox. So, you know, hopefully Paxton can figure that out and have a good game. If not, then I think, we, you know, the pressure is going to start to mount on, on some of these guys, and Paxton especially, the big acquisition. Um, so something that I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, and then a couple batters, too. I think uh, DJ Lamahieu on the Yanks is hitting the ball great. Um, moving up in the lineup, and then Giovanni Urshela has been kind of the the starting third baseman for the Yankees Mm -hmm. um, the last couple of days here, and he's been hitting the the ball pretty well, too, looking, you know, hitting the ball to all fields. It's been an extremely small sample size, but working some walks, so I think while the Yanks are banged up and they're going to get, hopefully, Stan and Hicks are coming back first, but the, the banged up infielders are probably the last to return. So I'm wondering if he might be a guy that could provide some value, you know, once the lineup gets a little deeper, he might be hanging around as a third baseman or or a utility guy that could provide some value. Um, Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other series I'm looking at is Mets, so both the New York teams here. Um, And and this is kind of the opposite. Both teams are off to good starts. Um, The series kicks off tomorrow with, Syndergaard versus Nola. So should be a, a great pitching matchup, though if you look at their ERAs this season, yeah, you know, it might not play out that way. Um, and then we've got Matt and Pavetta. So Matt is off to a good start. I think this is going to be a big test for him. Um, and then Pavetta is off to a slow start, so he'll be looking to bounce back. Um, and on the batting side, I think uh, the Phillies lineup is just and fun to watch, but one guy who's not off to a good start is Cesar Hernandez. Um, he's someone who I've been fond of in recent years. I cooled on him a little bit this preseason because he, uh, you know, typically he batted at the top or towards the top of the order, but with the additions of McCutcheon and Segura, you know, I think he, he batted sixth recently, so he's kind of lower in the order, but still in a good spot, I think, and but just off to a slow start. So I'll just be seeing if he, if he can pick things up a little bit. And then on the Mets side, we've got Jeff McNeil, who's batting 346 and just, you know, his batting average projections keep saying he's going to regress, but he keeps hitting over 300. And then uh, Peter Alonzo, he's got six home runs already and he's hitting power to, to all fields. So um, I think he, he's a, a good bat. He's probably owned in most leagues, but just someone who I'm 
I'm keying in on as just someone I want to watch hit and, and see, you know, he, he seems like the real deal. So that's kind of the, the two series I'll be, I'll be watching this week. Nice. Yeah. Both those series, uh, have, uh, nice little pitching matchups. So nice offensive players to watch out for, uh, Cole, you have any comments on those two series before I move on to mine? You know, it's interesting. Uh, we talk about Boston and, and New York not necessarily fulfilling expectations. Uh, in each side of the ball, they've, they've had, you know, Boston, it's hard to call them injury issues. It's, it's hard to know exactly what to call them. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. they really are just starting right. pitching issues um, that haven't been uh, resolved yet. And then on the Yankee side of things, you have uh, pretty significant offensive struggles in, in terms of, uh, I'm talking injuries, uh, losing Stanton, losing Hicks before the season, uh, losing Andujar, losing Troy Tulowitzki, uh, you know, players that were signed, players that I remember people saying things like, well, I mean, do they really need DJ LeMayhew? Like, they have so many players already. What's he going to do? And it's like, yeah, now he's playing every day, and so is Tyler Wade practically because they've had, you know, so many people go down on this team. You know, it's one of the, the, the reminders that you'll get that, that you should make sure that you have uh, all the depth that you can uh, on the Yankees side of things. So, you know, in terms of them recovering, turning it around, especially on the Yankees side of things, uh, it's hard to say for certain because the problem isn't necessarily performance in and of itself so much as it is a combination of, of both this this performance, uh, and, uh, sorry, um, and then going going to the uh, going to the Mets series, Mets Phillies uh, in, in Philadelphia, very interesting. Top ranked offense against Syndergaard, Mats, and Wheeler. Uh, in Wheeler, especially, you have a guy who who looked to bounce back a little bit in his last start. A couple of these high end starting pitchers have. Uh, struggled a good deal to start the season. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what Wheeler has to offer. Yeah, uh, I agree, especially against that uh, pretty potent uh, Phillies lineup uh, at times uh, with uh, Reese Hoskins in the middle of it. Uh, We'll jump to – I have two series, but uh, I'll start with one, uh, see how it goes, uh, and uh, we'll go from there. First series, uh, uh, I mentioned it a little bit ago, uh, Cleveland and uh, Seattle. Cleveland also kind of off to a slow start there, 8-7 and seven, uh, on the AL Central, uh, where it's been tough sledding for most of the teams uh, in there. I believe they're the only team uh, above 500. No, uh, well, uh, so the Twins are 8-4 and four and uh, Cleveland's 8-7. and seven. So Cleveland's second place right now in the division. Uh, uh, they've they've struggled at times. Uh, uh, I believe it was Kluber that started today. He only lasted two and two thirds, gave up six runs. Well, he I think he walked five guys. So it, it's uh, it's been tough sledding for him. Uh, but the first matchup out on the West Coast uh, uh, in Seattle is uh, Trevor Bauer versus uh, uh, Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, Kikuchi, uh, no record right now, but and a 4.15 ERA. Um, 
So he's actually he's been like hit and miss. Uh, he's given up a, uh, several home runs. Uh, that's really been his downfall. And Trevor Bauer, uh, one and one, I believe his last start uh, wasn't that great. And uh, but he has a 2.29 ERA. Actually, his last start he went uh, seven innings. Uh, oh no, his last start he went five and two thirds, uh, ten hits, four earned runs uh, against. Uh, of course, the Tigers, who who can't hit anyone, but they decided to hit Trevor Bauer. Uh, he had only allowed, uh, I believe, one hit uh, over his previous 14 innings. Uh, so uh, that's a fun little matchup, especially against that hot Seattle uh, Mariners lineup that just keeps hitting uh, home runs. Uh, 18 straight days or 18 straight games now with a home run. Uh, Jay Bruce has seven of them, uh, so uh, uh, he, he's had a nice little uh, resurgence as well. Uh, and somehow, Leonis Martin leads uh, the Cleveland Indians with three home runs. Uh, are obviously uh, the best uh, hitter in that lineup right now, Carlos Santana. Uh, they basically pitch around him uh, the last few games. Uh, a lot of intentional walks uh, to get to either Jake Bowers or um, Hanley Ramirez, uh, who hasn't had the best start. Uh, He had a couple of home runs um, so far, but he's hitting under 200. Uh, The second uh, pitching matchup, uh, 2-0 Mike Leake uh, versus uh, 1-0 Shane Shane Bieber. And Shane Bieber, uh, he's been uh, fun to watch. He's striking out guys left and right, uh, and he's really uh, coming to his own. Uh, after he only pitched two innings his first start, but uh, in his second start he struck out nine and in six innings uh, while allowing two runs and two hits to Toronto. And then he only allowed three hits and struck out six and in seven innings and got the win uh, last time out against Detroit. Uh, so... Uh, Right now, he looks like the uh, ace of the staff uh, in Cleveland uh, because uh, the the next guy, uh, uh, Carlos Carrasco, has really uh, struggled. Uh, and their their matchup on uh, Wednesday is uh, Carlos Carrasco, 12.60 ERA. Um, it might be uh, uh, he might be ben- I I I would bench him if you ha- own him in fantasy, uh, uh, especially uh, against this uh, Seattle Mariners offense who just keeps killing the ball. And uh, Swanson uh, for Seattle, uh, Eric Swanson. He has a nine ERA. Uh, he allowed two runs in two innings uh, on uh, uh, a few days ago. And uh, that's that's the third uh, game uh, of the series. I believe it's the final game as well. Uh, so that's uh, that's what I have for that series. Uh, Cole, any comments about those? Uh, oh, you know the, Seat- the Seattle uh, Cleveland series would be interesting. Uh, you know, that first Bieber game, I'm not quite sure that was a start for the two-inning. I think that was probably a two-inning performance, or I, I believe it was a two-inning performance uh, out of the bullpen. I think they were, they were using only four guys uh, at most to start the year in the rotation. Um, you know, 
he's a pitcher that I think what's going to determine whether he's a, a good a good starting pitcher, a bullpen pitcher, or a great starting pitcher is going to be how he handles lefties. Uh, he was very poor at handling lefties last year. I don't necessarily buy into many of the narratives that he was extremely unlucky last year. I'm sure he had uh, some bits of, uh, of poor luck, but I think what he really struggled to do uh, was handle lefties, especially multiple times through the order. Um, you know, so far I've been watching his games, and, and each game that I see uh, Bieber starting, I, I look at the roster and I say, who, who's the lefties? Who do I get to see him play? And so far uh, the most interesting lefty he's gone up against all season, I think, has been the guy I mentioned earlier as being under 10% owned, Nico Goodrum. I don't think he's played a lefty that's, that's maybe more talented in two games uh, than Nico Goodrum so far. So, you know, that that's not necessarily something uh, he'll see uh, off the top of my head in Seattle. You know, their lefties are more of Alex Smith, D. Gordon, guys who don't necessarily beat you with power, Hanniger, Santana, those right. guys are from the right, Edwin, Edwin's from the right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how he does there, but – um, moving forward, not even just in this matchup, what I'm really looking for uh, when it comes to Shane Bieber, every single time I watch a game when it comes to Shane Bieber, what I'm looking for uh, is quality lefties, how he goes up against quality lefties, um, the results of his bats against quality lefties, uh, and things of that nature. I agree with you on that. Um, Cole, uh, I mean, Kevin, do you have anything you wanted to add about that series? Uh, I think I think that now that you mentioned it, I'll definitely be tuning in, especially we've got the, the West Coast start times for the first two games of that series and then the one getaway game. Right. Um, and I think just really just seeing if the, the Seattle Mariners offense can stay hot against some, some quality pitching. Um, and then you mentioned Jay Bruce with seven home runs. I would, I'd also like to add yeah. that he only has ten hits, so he's batting 179. Yeah. So it's uh, feast or famine for Bruce this year. I think that's that's pretty funny. Well, I mean that's what Jay Bruce is. He's a he's a he's a power hitter. So and he's made good use of that. Um, Cole, do you have a another series you wanted to talk about, or I can talk about the other series that I was looking at? Um. Well, well what series were you looking at? Uh, St. Louis, Milwaukee. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting, especially because you know Milwaukee is a team that plays a lot of matchups, or at least has the ability to play a lot of matchups. You have quite a few lefties in there. You have guys like you know guys like Yelich going up against between Dakota Hudson and Jack Flaherty. You have two guys who are relatively young. Uh, Hudson more of a rookie, Flaherty more of a sophomore, uh, if that is still the intended first two matchups. Um, and I think what you have there is you're going to go up against these guys like Yelich. Uh, uh, potentially other guys like like Mustakis, Thames, um, guys who who bat quality from from the left side. Um, you know, Flaherty. My big concern coming into the year was a combination of control uh, and making it through through the lineup multiple times. Uh, that'll be a, a hard thing to do in Milwaukee uh, against a tough offense. You know, I mean, this is obviously Milwaukee's a team that that I think you can get a little sneaky with uh, streaming pitchers against when they're away from home. Uh, I managed it successfully, uh, more of in a DFS way than a streaming way, with Trevor Cahill. 
uh, when they happen to be in the, in the American League. Uh, today, despite Ross Stripling not, not being particularly sharp, uh, they were able to subdue the Milwaukee offense uh, in Dodger Stadium. But in their home park, in this very hitter-friendly environment that they seem to love, Miller Park, I, I'm very afraid of throwing out most of my starting pitchers against this team. So uh, that's mostly what I'm looking at uh, for for this series is is how this uh, St. Louis staff handles handles these Milwaukee players. Yeah, and, uh, I, I've noticed uh, that when the offense struggles, um, the the pitching kind of struggles uh, for for Milwaukee. They, they don't really have that strong of a starting rotation. Um, they have Freddie Peralta with a 6.91 ERA uh, so far on the season. Uh, I, I believe he only has a, uh, like one and a half starts basically under his belt, but uh, that's something. And Woodruff, uh, he got that spot, and he's one and one with a six ERA. And and then uh, 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 Burns is supposed to get the start on Wednesday, Corbin Burns, and he has a uh, 10 ERA. Uh, he's allowed uh, 12, uh, 16 runs on the season and three starts. Uh, five his last time out. He only lasted four and a third. Um, his first start, he got 12 strikeouts, but allowed four earned runs um, against St. Louis. Um, so it would be a, a rematch of uh, that contest. Um, and uh, the last starter for St. Louis is uh, Milwaukee uh, is uh, Michael Wicca, who uh, I'm interested to see if he can basically uh, refine what he had a couple years ago. Um, I know he got injured, and uh, but and it's been tough sledding since then. Um, but that's a, that's uh, that's a guy I'm uh, paying attention to against, uh, as you said, a, a very tough uh, Milwaukee Brewers offense. The one surprising thing that I've noticed is uh, because Monty Grindel has really helped out uh, the bottom of that order. Uh, he's hitting 391 uh, for a catcher, which is phenomenal. Uh, really helps uh, those roto leagues if you if you have him as your catcher, especially in the average department. He's also uh, getting a lot of RBI chances and. Uh, uh, a uh, uh, a lot of chances to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, I believe he has a, at least a, a a pair of home runs. Uh, it might be. I think he hit another one uh, today. But uh, yeah, he hit another one today. So he is uh or not today, a couple of days ago. Uh, but he has a grand total of now three home runs. Um, do you have anything to say about this series, um, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I think what, what I'll be watching from the Milwaukee side is uh, I think Jeremy Jeffress is scheduled to be activated tomorrow. So yeah. um, just from seeing, one, how he performs uh, coming off his shoulder injury, um, and then, two, you know, how he's being used. I don't know if right away he'll jump into high leverage situations, but, you know, last year Jeffress had a, a career year and was – getting a lot of save opportunities, and then Hayter was getting that seventh, eighth inning role. Um, and right now, Hayter's been picking up a lot of saves, and he's been a tremendous asset fantasy-wise. So just interested to see how 
how much Jeffress will eat into those saves, if at all. Um, I expect he will at a little bit, but I also think it, it depends on how, how well he performs. So uh, I'll, be, I'll be watching for mostly the bullpen for that series. Yeah, uh, that, that's definitely uh, something uh, to keep an eye on, especially because they have so many arms uh, in that bullpen that can get saves and they can use them in so many ways. Uh, obviously, Hayter's probably the guy to own, but he might not always get uh, the save chances. It depends on uh, the matchups. Uh, do you agree with that, Cole? Um, that That's... Uh, something to watch out for uh, in this series to see, especially with Jeffrey's being activated? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, this is a bullpen that is not necessarily been defined by these specific roles in the past, and there is a utility. I think people argue that there isn't a utility in playing the same guy every day in the ninth inning. And I kind of, even as an advanced statistics guy. I kind of balk at that concept because I, I do think there's something uh, about the consistency, about the normalcy. Um, and specifically in the case of the ninth inning job, I like the closer job specifically as being different from just being the best relief pitcher because, you know, you get the clean inning, you get it in the ninth uh, as, as a high frequency, and all you have to do is make sure you can get those three outs uh, before runs start crossing the plate. Um, and, you know, it's kind of this race against the clock all the time to where, you know, a guy like Josh Hader, the the ideal situation for him is certainly to be able to put him in any situation that I believe is the highest leverage situation in the ball game. you know. I mean, if, if I'm sitting there with the bases loaded two outs in the sixth inning and for some reason I think that I really need that out right then and I can maybe use him for the seventh too, I mean, I, I want to be able to put him in there. Uh, I think that's probably the way that Milwaukee ends up going because that's the way that they've shown us uh, in the past that they end up going. Uh, whether it happens right away, how soon they put uh, some faith back into Jeffress, and also, you know, if they do go with Jeffress or anyone else, you'd, you'd imagine they have a short leash of failing because failing in that role is, is more obvious and, and more stands out so much more. So, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I definitely think it's possible, but I think – the utility for Josh Hader is still being able to be moved around. And so as they get other guys that they're confident playing in that ninth inning, I do think there is a chance that he starts moving into more of a saves or excuse me, a holds option uh, than a saves option. But either way, he'll still be one of the best relievers, at least in save holds types. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with all of that. Um, and that will wrap up our previews uh, uh, and basically wrap up our show uh kevin it was a pleasure as always uh do you have anything you want to end the show with uh i think at this point just you know thanks for having me on uh ready for game of thrones i don't know if you guys are watching tonight but i'll, I'll be tuning into that once we wrap up here so uh been a, been a good night yeah. good show and finish with a, a nice episode here yeah, did you ha- did you end up watching uh, any of the Masters? You see uh, Tiger Woods' performance today? Yeah, I didn't watch, but I wish I did because yeah, I saw Tiger won, so I'm sure that was a really exciting, uh, you know, final round. I know when he won that Players Tournament last year, it was yeah. it was insane the amount of excitement for for that. Just 
for Tiger to be back. So I can only imagine what it was like today. Yeah, uh, uh, I, 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 I watched probably the final like ten, eleven holes, and uh, he fell behind like by three strokes at one point. But uh, he was Mister Cool, Calm, and Collected uh, for the rest of that. But uh, yeah, it's been a, a crazy couple weekends of sports with March Madness ending uh, and the Frozen Four ending, and baseball again underway. So, uh, but. It was, a, it was a pleasure to have you on tonight's show, Kevin. So have a good one. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. All right, Cole. Uh, I, won't, I won't be um, with you next week. Uh, I have the week off next week, but uh, what do you want to end today's show with? Uh, you know, not not too much specifically to end it with. You know, uh, it was a good show overall. I'm excited that we got to to get to some of the the players that I find uh, pretty interesting. Uh, you know, going back off off topic from baseball, but going back to what you guys were just talking about, I think the Tiger Woods story is obviously going to be up there right away with the best sports stories of the year. Probably the best uh, in my my right. opinion. I, I caught the last. You know, I'm not I'm not a golf watcher, but I was one of the probably well, millions of people who found a way, uh, who found a way to tune in for the last two or three holes uh, to watch the last putt go in. And so, so it was exciting to see. Um, I don't remember how long it's been since he's won a major, but I know it's been 14 since he's won 14 years since he's won Augusta National. So, you know, that that's obviously a, a big deal in in our world of sports. Yeah, uh, it, I, I believe it was actually 11 years since he actually won a major. So uh, obviously he's he's been through a lot. Um, uh, there's a lot of things that have happened since he last won a major. So um, it was definitely uh, a great. It's it's a, it's definitely a comeback story for the ages uh, for sure. Uh, anything else you wanted to end with, um, or uh, are you all? Uh, fantasy baseball out. <laughs> no, I think I'm good and and I'll see you, I guess in, in 2 weeks. Uh sounds like I'll be yep. I'll be hosting us us next week and I'll I'll see you again in 2 weeks. Yep. Uh as as always a pleasure. Uh have a good night. You too. All right. And uh I have next week off, so Cole uh We'll be the host next week. Uh, thank, thank you all for listening, and uh, have a good night.